0: Hello and welcome in to the first ever, the inaugural edition of the Big Ten Talk Podcast here at CSNChicago.com. I am Big Ten writer Finny Duber and I'll be your host today. College football's back, people. It's a great time to be a college football fan because it is week one. It is opening week. We are here in game week right now, and we are going to take a look at the 2016 college football season, the Big Ten season, uh, in, you know particularly as this is the Big Ten Talk podcast. Uh, and we're going to be looking uh, at, at a few of the biggest teams, uh, and we're going to get predictions from some people around the conference as well. Uh, we've got a great guest list on tap, but guys, let's just bask in the glory of college football being back and, and take a look here at some of the storylines as we open the season and a loaded big 10 East division, Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state. uh, And then out West, you've got Iowa going for back-to-back division titles It should be a good one. It should be a good one. We got Urban Meyer, Jim Harbaugh, Mark D'Antonio. You know, how about, and locally, we got Lovey Smith down in Champaign. We got Pat Fitzgerald doing his thing up in Evanston. So it's going to be a very promising season. Uh, Today on the podcast, you're going to hear from Mark Morehouse of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. He's going to talk Iowa and the Big Ten West. You're going to hear from uh, Mark Snyder, who's going to talk Michigan, uh, his his beat over at the Detroit Free Press, uh, as well as the Big Ten East Division. And we're going to take a look at the game of the week, Wisconsin versus LSU up at Lambeau Field. We're going to do it with Jason Galloway, who covers the Badgers for the Wisconsin State Journal. And I'll play an interview that I did with Northwestern quarterback Clayton Thorson uh, at Northwestern's Media Day a few weeks ago up in Evanston. Uh, that'll be a good one. He's one of the biggest storylines out in that West Division this year as well. But the first thing we want to do is get you ready for the weekend, get you ready for Saturday. We're going to to talk the Big Ten schedule for Week 1. Not too many uh, overly intriguing games on the calendar for for Week 1 here. Uh, A lot of teams just going to be getting their feet wet with the season, so to speak. Um, But we do have some weekday games, kind of an irregularity for the Big Ten normally. Uh, We start things off with Indiana at Florida International Yes, at Florida International at 6.30 Central on Thursday night, September 1st. Uh, Former Illini coach Ron Turner heads up that Florida International program, uh, and Indiana will be looking to win its first game uh, following that pinstripe bowl loss. Heartbreaking uh, back in December. Uh, And then shortly after that, you'll get Minnesota playing host to Oregon State. Tracy Clay's in his first full season uh, as the head coach of the Gophers, Uh, and they've got some some low-key high expectations from some people in the media. You'll hear one of our guests later talking. Um, about his his, uh, thoughts on the Golden Gophers. Um, On Friday, number 12, Michigan State. That's number 12 in the preseason AP poll. uh, will be playing host to Furman, an FCS opponent. That game starts at 6 o'clock. Michigan State uh, has some big holes to fill. Connor Cook obviously departed for the NFL. Same two for Shalik Calhoun. There are three... New starters on both the offensive and defensive lines, so it'll be interesting to see if they're going to be able to fill those before their big non-conference test, uh, their third game against Notre Dame. And then we move on to Saturday where all the other Big Ten teams are in action. Purdue plays Eastern Kentucky at 11 a.m. Central time it's a big season for Daryl Hazel that he's going to have to win some games in it would seem uh, to stick around uh, the head as the head of the boiler program uh, Maryland plays Howard first year head coach DJ Durkin debuts at 11 a.m. Central time uh, the Northwestern wildcats get their season going against Western Michigan PJ Fleck always rowing the boat with that great uh, with that good Mac that quality Mac program uh, that game in Evanston and it starts at 11 a.m. Number seven, Michigan, uh, will play Hawaii uh, at 11 a.m. in Ann Arbor. Hawaii has already played a game, uh, as many of you know. They played Cal in Australia to open the season uh, last weekend. Um... Jim Harbaugh obviously has made tons of headlines this offseason and will continue to do so throughout the season uh, as that Michigan team has very high expectations. We'll talk about that with Mark Snyder later. Uh, Number six, Ohio State will play host to Urban Meyer's old program, Bowling Green. That game starts at 11 a.m. Central Time uh, and is going to be played in Columbus. Uh, Urban Meyer has lost what seems like his entire roster to the NFL, but that's not really stopping anybody from picking Ohio State, myself included. Uh, The way he's recruited the last few years, you surely think that that team will be able to reload behind uh, the best quarterback in the conference in JT Barrett. Uh, an interesting game featuring Rutgers that will start at 1 p.m. Central Time. The Scarlet Knights, in their first game under new coach Chris Ash, will be traveling to Washington. Uh, the Huskies are ranked number 14 in the country. They have uh, their eyes on a Pac-12 championship this season. Uh, that'll be an interesting game just because it, it features a quality opponent for a Big Ten team. Uh, Rutgers might be overmatched. Um, you know, but that that will at least allow us to see a Big Ten team going up against another good team. So too will the game of the week, as we mentioned, Wisconsin taking on LSU, the Bayou Bengals, ranked number five in the preseason poll. That is a tough test uh, for a Badgers team that's breaking in a new quarterback, but they get Corey Clement back again. We'll talk all about the Badgers with Jason Galloway later on. That game starts at two thirty and is being played at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. So that should be a very cool setting indeed. We'll see if anybody tries a Lambeau leap. Um, Penn State will play host to Kent State at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, James Franklin uh, also breaking in a new quarterback uh, there with the Nittany Lions. And uh, they also have a running back with some high hopes in Saquon Barkley, who had a great freshman season last year. Uh, a lot of people thinking he's already the uh, the conference's premier running back. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, they get things started uh, against the Golden Flashes. Uh, Number 17, Iowa, who we'll talk about at length with Mark Morehouse later. They take on Miami, Ohio to start their season. That game starts at 2.30 Central time. And then Illinois, uh, Lovey Smith's first game down in Champaign. The Illini are taking on Murray State, and, man, he's brought a lot of attention to that program in a hurry, opening up against an easy FCS team, of course, um, but that's a a good way to start your tenure, I suppose. 2.30 p.m. down in Champaign is that. Uh, start time. And then we only have one night kickoff, and that is Nebraska. Mike Riley's second season trying to do a lot better than six and seven. Obviously, they're dealing with a lot of uh, far more important things than football following the tragic death of punter Sam Fultz earlier this offseason. They will spend a lot of time paying tribute to him this season, uh, one would imagine. They open their season, the Huskers do, against Fresno State, 7 p.m. Central kickoff down in Lincoln. All right, well, let's take a look out west. Let's go out west to the Big Ten West Division and talk some Iowa football. Great to be joined by Mark Morehouse, who covers the Iowa Hawkeyes for the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Uh, Mark, thanks for your time. How are you today? Great, Vinny. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, sure thing. So let's uh, get right into it here. Uh, Big season for Iowa last year, obviously the undefeated regular season campaign. Uh, You know, doing that again might be a little bit of a tough ask, but uh, uh, what are kind of some of the realistic expectations for the Hawkeyes this season? That's a good
1: question. I think, you know, last year was not a year where you pick Iowa to go 12-0 and uh, win the Big Ten West and play in the Rose Bowl and the Big Ten Championship game, all those great things. This is a year that maybe you do at least pick Iowa to probably repeat in the West. And I say that the West is, in, uh, in my mind, in kind of a transitional mode. Um, I'm interested to see what Tracy Clays is at Minnesota. Uh, Nebraska has some cleaning up to do. Uh, Wisconsin has that monster schedule. Uh, Northwestern, Clayton Thorson, still kind of a work in progress. So I, I think this is a year you definitely pick Iowa. I mean, they had the most pieces back to win the West. Um, you see Jay Beathard, quarterback. Desmond King, the Thorpe Award-winning cornerback. And uh, who, a guy who I think is still kind of underrated, middle linebacker, Josie Jewell, second team all Big Ten last year. Really great player for the Hawkeyes. So, yeah, this is a year I think they have a chance to to they should make some noise. Of course, a lot of Iowa fans right now are wincing, saying they they never do great in years like this where they're expected to do stuff. Uh, I think uh, I think they kind of disproved that this year. How
0: uh, how bad was the taste left in the left in the mouths of the Hawkeyes with that way they played in the Rose Bowl and kind of how has that affected this offseason, Do you think?
1: Um. Y- y- Coming out of camp, we heard a lot of, well, we're 0 2. And uh, that's true. Last year in tournament foot, what I would call tournament football, uh, Big Ten title game, heartbreaking loss, 22 play drive. I'm uh, just a masterpiece of a game. 22 play drive by Michigan State. Uh, running back reaches his arm over the goal line, and Michigan State wins with, I want to say, like 23 seconds left. And then the Rose Bowl was over after about eight seconds. Uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, 65 yard, I believe, it was 65 yard touchdown pass on the on the or catch and run on the first play of the game, and it was just you know he was he was amazing and Iowa was along for the ride. That's kind of what they carried. I mean, this team, you know, it's it's kind of like Michigan State in that you know Mark D'Antonio I think is a master of planning that chip on the shoulder of his players. I think Iowa is kind of in that same mold. Kirk Ferentz, um, they they look for. The things to be mad about, you know, they've forgotten the fact that they, yeah, at one point they were twelve and zero last year. They remember they're clinging to the O and two, and I I think the Rose Bowl, especially the Rose Bowl, because that was a game that you know, if Iowa wins that game, they haven't won a Rose Bowl since like nineteen fifty six. So they win that game, they're walking with the Hawkeye gods, and uh, they came up woefully short, and that's kind of uh, that's
0: been the motivator. You mentioned quarterback C.J. Beathard, and he's got some. Some real good pieces around him in the backfield. He's got a few guys that can that can do some damage. Uh, how explosive do you see the Iowa offense being this season? That's
1: that's the question, Vinny. I think uh, in, in camp uh, we talked to Kurt Ferentz last week uh, at the end of camp, and uh, he said explosive plays were hard to come by. You know, part of that is yeah, the Iowa offense it, it's always had trouble with. Really producing on on a, on a consistent basis, explosive plays, but also you know they were thrown against a pretty good secondary in, in camp and uh, Desmond King and Greg Maybin, two guys, two corners with 64 career starts between them. So, yeah, that was the explosive plays were hard to come by against Iowa's defense. But uh, the wide receiver group is in kind of a transitional mode. Uh, Jay Shield could be a guy who goes. He played three snaps last year. He's a guy they have uh, slated to start right now at the X position. Quite a jump in profile for him. I don't know what the reasonable expectation could be. Uh, tight end, I think, is in good hands it, it, with one. Uh, George Kittle, I think, is a, maybe one of the premier tight ends of the Big Ten. A 6'5", 250-pounder who can really run. But beyond that, Iowa is a team that is known for its tight end play, and they really are in a search mode for a number two guy. Could be a true freshman, uh, Noah Font from um uh, Omaha. So explosive plays, I think it's going to be, it's going to be hit and miss. Uh, it's something that I'm going to have to see before I
0: believe it. You also mentioned Desmond King, the Thorpe Award winner last season. He, he made the decision to come back to school and, and you don't want to say, you know, that you don't even ask, did he make the right one? Everybody's, everybody's decision making process is different, but do you think he can get his draft stock even higher than it was after winning the Thorpe Award? Yeah,
1: I, I don't think he'll pick off eight passes again. I do I... I'll, I'll go out on that limb, but uh, I think he can I mean when he when he was when he put his name up for evaluation, it came back anywhere from the first round to the fourth round. And he decided and the big knock on him was speed. Uh, that was what all the NFL people told him,, uh, we want to see your speed, we want to see you run uh, better. and that that's you know how much can a guy, uh, a player who's twenty two years old going into his fourth year as a senior. Uh, how much can he really improve his speed? Well, he really did put some time into it. Uh, ran a lot of sand. Uh, Iowa strength and conditioning puts guys through uh, very competitive in the summer. They do uh, tug of war drills, things like that, to kind of you know keep keep guys interested, keep the uh, blood flowing. So uh, Desmond King really took a bite out of that. You know, how much faster can he be? I'm not sure, but. Uh, one thing he is really great at is really tracking the football he can turn and he's got great body control he can turn and find the ball not a pass interference guy he's not reaching and grabbing he's turning and trying to find the ball and make a play on it so uh i think he can improve his draft status but uh uh, i think he's probably he comes back and he says five interceptions or something like that he's probably gonna be a late first round top second round pick
0: Iowa's was schedule was kind of a national talking point for for a while last season, and uh, I mean the the schedule is not dissimilar this year. Obviously, they've got that Michigan game; that's a big one. But do you think that talk is going to resurface, and especially if they're competing for and win a Big Ten championship, uh, is there a possibility that the schedule would keep them out of the the playoff, like we saw with the Big Twelve a couple of years ago? Last
1: year, they played uh, North Texas State at home, and they won sixty two to sixteen. I think this year you trade out that game, you add Rutgers and uh, they've also traded out Illinois state for North Dakota state. So I don't think you, the strength of the schedule can be knocked this year, but what can maybe be brought up if I gets get some position again is the fact that it plays all of its, all of its games that are really sort of fifty fifty 50, 50 or even be in that range at home. Michigan's at home, Wisconsin's at home, Nebraska's at home. Uh, 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 North Dakota State's at home so they, they have a ton, they have a great home slate this year and it really that, that worked out well Penn State on the road at night in November that could be tricky um, Minnesota I think is a game that's going to be very very tricky Iowa hasn't I mean, last time they visited uh, TCF Bank they got beat 51-14 to 14. so maybe you have to exercise some demons up there but uh, I, I think the schedule's better I don't think you'll hear the knock and, and last year Iowa was in the playoffs going into the championship weekend after having played North Texas State at home, I think they're going to be okay.
0: So you've you've mentioned a lot of like the contenders out in the West, uh, along with Iowa. You know, the West is not looked at as the the better of the two divisions, uh, but it's but it's got some teams. Obviously, after Iowa, obviously you mentioned Nebraska, uh, you know, Wisconsin, Northwestern, even. Uh, you know, how do you think you see how do you see things playing out in the West Division? Uh, one, uh, I, I think Nebraska will be there.
1: Uh, I think that uh, Tommy Armstrong kind of turned a corner in the bowl game and uh, a really great receiving core, probably the best receiving core in the west, most consistent and most explosive are, uh, have a chance to be anyway. Um, Minnesota' is kind of my dark horse. I, I you know they have they had the coaching transition last year. um I like I think Tracy Clay's is cut out he's obviously cut out of the same mold as uh, Jerry Kill, so. Uh, I think there'll be patience there. I think there's a toughness factor there, and Minnesota played pretty good defense last year, and a lot of those, they had a lot of guys hurt, so I think they'll be they'll be better on defense. You know, can they run the ball? Can the offensive line get up to speed? They lost a few guys in the O line, so uh, two good run, young running backs. I think they'll be a, they have a chance to be a physical team. And to me, to me, in the West, you have to be a physical team to win. You have to be able to have a really productive running game. I think uh, in 2014, uh, Wisconsin with Melvin Gordon, I think they had 45 touch, rushing touchdowns. Last year, Iowa had 2,500 yards rushing and 35 touchdowns. It seems like the team with uh, the best running game, best running back, and most production out of the backfield has the best chance to win the West because it, it you know. Benny, you've seen, uh, I think last year Illinois Nebraska was one of those weird wind games. There's always some sort of weather in the West, and in, in, uh, say in late October November. So, I think just the, the team that has that can be the most physical have a chance to win. And right now, I look at Iowa, I look at Minnesota. I think Wisconsin, if 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 they survive that uh, blitzkrieg of a schedule, um, I think they have a chance. But uh, uh, to me, it's going to come down to three teams: Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, and uh, Minnesota.
0: All right. Well, I'll ask you to uh, take out the crystal ball and, and take a look to uh, Indianapolis in the first week of December. There, who's playing for the Big Ten championship and who wins? I
1: think Iowa and I think uh, Ohio State. Uh, to me, Ohio State—they're replacing so many guys. Uh, I mean, that was an NFL team last year, and sure, they lost basically the one game that mattered, and uh, against Michigan State at home, and that kind of set the course for what wasn't what they weren't able to do in the postseason. And you kind of look at that as a disappointment. I I think uh, Urban Meyer's the best coach in the Big Ten. I think Ohio State rebounds. I think think Ohio State wins the the Big Ten championship, gets to
0: the uh,
1: SCFP this
0: year. All righty. There you have it. Mark Morehouse of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, thanks so much for your time today. You bet, Vinny. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks a lot. Big thanks to Mark for talking Big Ten West and the Hawkeyes. But now let's go east. Let's head to east and talk Michigan. Mark Snyder, who covers the Michigan Wolverines for the Detroit Free Press. Mark, thanks for your time today. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Well, uh, let's get right into it and talk about Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh won 10 games in his first season at the helm last year. Kind of given the state of the program before he took over, are you kind of surprised at how quick he was able to kind of turn things around? Well,
2: I think that what happened was They had a quarterback who was able to handle pressure, and Jake Ruddock the year before, they had a quarterback who struggled with that, Devin Gardner, and the defense was good just like the year before, I think, but the difference is in close games, they had a coach and a coaching staff who kind of knew what to do, and I think that made a big difference in the win total.
0: The expectations this year are very big, uh, very high, Uh, you know, Michigan's got Big Ten championship aspirations, national championship aspirations, Do, do you think the hype is real, so to speak? Uh, I think that they're going to be better.
2: I think they could have the same record and not, and I mean, or worse record, but they're, they're going to be a better team. I think it's just not as good of a schedule. A schedule is less conducive to them having success. So I, I don't know. I think they have to play road games at Michigan State, at Iowa, and at Ohio State all in their last five games. So I think that's going to be quite a chore. I think that, that maybe they win one of those. So that kind of knocks them out of maybe winning the division and going out
0: beyond that. The uh, question that everybody keeps asking Coach Harbaugh is uh, who the quarterback is going to be, and obviously he hasn't made that known uh, to the public yet. Uh, if you had to make your best guess, who do you think is going to be starting uh, on Saturday?
2: Wilton Spade. Um, he's the redshirt sophomore. I think Wilton you know, has done all the things they've asked. It, it, it's not about being a dynamic playmaker. It's about moving the team. He's got you know, two senior receivers, an All-Big Ten receiver in J.H.S. on, and another great count, one in Maris Darvall, All-American tight end. It's Jake, butt. so just get the ball to those guys and let it happen.
0: Do you think the, the the quarterback position is in better shape, worse shape, the same place where it was uh, when Jake Rudock was taking over a year ago? I guess it's a
2: different. Uh, it's the phrasing of how you mentioned that. I think the quarterback position is healthier. There's more depth. There's more talent. The, the starting quarterback probably not as good. I, I think that Jake Rudock was unique. He had years of starting experience. He's very smart. He could process changed things, and adapted on the fly very well, and by the end of the year was playing as well as anyone, uh, one of the, as well as any big 10 quarterback at that point. And so that's kind of how that developed. In terms of this year, I think the fact that Spade and O'Con- John O'Corn and Brandon Peters and Jay Martin, none of those guys have the experience that Jay Brudock had, and the big game experience especially, so I think
0: that makes it maybe a little different as a starter. Uh, Jabril Peppers is obviously one of the most exciting players uh, in the Big Ten, uh, and he's gonna play in in kind of every uh, area that they can find for him. How much do you think he's gonna be playing uh, on the offensive side of the ball? I know Jim Harbaugh said at Media Day uh, he could challenge to be a starting receiver, a starting running back. Uh, how much do you think they're gonna get him involved on offense? Not too much,
2: I, especially early. I don't think they want to give up any of that. You know, I mean, they'll do it here and there, maybe um, see how he's doing and what his load is on defense, how much they need him. But I think it's more just to kind of put stuff on film and make people prepare for it and take away their other preparation. If they have to spend time preparing for toughers, you know, on offense, then that kind of changes their game plan. So I think they'll they'll do it a little bit early in the season, but the idea is to really have him when they need him. And that's, you know, those late games, the Machine State game, the Iowa game, the Ohio State game, and if there's any others that
0: are closer than they anticipate. Uh, you know, he his his day job, so to speak, is, is playing defense, but, uh, you know, with all that versatility, you know, he could be in the secondary, he could be in the linebacking core. Where do you think he's going to play, uh, or where is he scheduled to play uh, on defense? Well, I think he's going to play
2: everywhere, but I think he'll do his primary role be as the same strong side linebacker because they can get him off the edge. He's matched up quite a bit with the Michigan tight end in practice this year, and I think he's so fast and so strong, even at 205 pounds, that. He's a load to handle. And those guys say he's a lot to handle when they see him every day. Someone who hasn't seen him before and then just has to go against, and the tight end just try to block him immediately coming off the edge, that's going to be pretty
0: ridiculous. You kind of alluded to it earlier, but as we kind of shift to looking at the Big Ten East in general, how do you think those top three teams stack up Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State?
2: I think Ohio State's a little bit above the other two just because they have a quarterback.
0: those three road games that you mentioned for michigan iowa michigan state and ohio state do you think being on the road for those games makes the big difference in kind of separating the wolverines from the other two teams
2: well i just think it's tough i think you know it'd be tough for alabama or clemson or anyone lsu anyone else you have up in that playoff area you know to win all three of those or two of those i mean i think that's just a daunting schedule for anyone and it just happens to work out that they're all in the same year. So I think that's just going to be the challenge. And even if they, let's say they go to Michigan State win, you know, then they got one knocked down. But then, you know, you got to be healthy down that stretch run, too, to be able to play Iowa and Ohio State toe to toe in their fights because you're combating the travel and the weather and, you know, the uh, whole crowd. And I think that's going to be a lot. All
0: right. Well, forecast for me, if you will, go flash forward to Indianapolis the first week of December. Who's playing for the Big Ten championship? I'm kind
2: of conventional. I got Ohio State and Iowa. I think both those teams are probably the best. Maybe Nebraska's going to push Iowa a little bit in that division. And Ohio State will be pushed by Michigan and Michigan State. But I don't think, but let's say Ohio State loses at Michigan State and Michigan beats Michigan State. I mean, I think that Ohio State's going to maybe squeeze out a little edge there. We'll see what happens. I, you know, they could lose to Michigan State. They could you know, I think that they're good. maybe they have one loss. I think Ohio State maybe has one loss to Oklahoma early in the year and then find this footing
0: and kind of go through the Big Ten that way. And then do you think the Big Ten goes three for three in appearances in the college football playoff?
2: I think if Ohio State only loses to, you know, loses the one game to Oklahoma early in the year, then yes. Otherwise, I don't think so. I think the Big Ten could get shut
0: up. All right. Mark Snyder from the Detroit Free Press, thanks so much for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. All right, we've taken a look at some of the big-picture items. Let's take a look at one game this week, and that is the Wisconsin Badgers taking on the LSU Tigers. Happy to be joined by Jason Galloway. He covers the Wisconsin Badgers for the Wisconsin State Journal. The most intriguing matchup on the Big Ten schedule here in Week 1 of the season is definitely Wisconsin and LSU uh, up at Lambeau Field. What do you think we can expect uh, from this big matchup?
3: Well, obviously LSU Kinson is as a favorite. I think I think they're a 10-point favorite the last time I checked there. You know, the fifth-ranked team in the country, uh, the, the Badgers are, are unranked to start the season, although I think that, you know, I think maybe, you know, you, you, could, you could make the argument for Wisconsin being ranked to start the season. I think they've got a pretty good team. Uh, but I think LSU is rightfully the favorite here. They're, they're a team that has expectations of making the playoffs, um, a team that has one of the best players in the country in Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, I think... When you look at the Wisconsin team. Uh, you know they lost three starters in the secondary. And it's kind of the biggest concern heading into the season. Um, you know if, if their if their front seven is able to slow down Fournette, um, it's going to be interesting to see if that secondary uh, if that helps that secondary not to, to be able to kind of uh, contain LSU's offense and and uh, you know be able to kind of uh, you know you kind of stay in the game that way. But it's it's going to be an interesting matchup, and I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see also the, the crowd split. Um, You know, obviously the game's at Lambeau Field up in Wisconsin, but LSU's expecting 30,000 fans there, so we'll kind of see how that plays out too.
0: You alluded to some of the storylines, obviously, and I I think for me the most intriguing ones are on the defensive side of the ball for Wisconsin. Uh, You know, not only is Leonard Fournette a very tough challenge, a a Heisman candidate, one of the best running backs in the country, uh, but Dave Aranda, the former Wisconsin defensive coordinator, now part of Les Miles' staff at LSU, so he'll be on the opposing sideline. I guess the micro question is, can they slow down Fournette? And the macro question is, how will Aranda's absence affect them? Not just in week one, but going forward.
3: Yeah. Well, as far as Fournette, um, you know, I think that I think you look at you look at last year's Wisconsin-Alabama game where uh, Wisconsin lost. I think they lost by a, a few touchdowns. Um, it was it wasn't really that close throughout the whole game and they had a lot of trouble tackling Derrick Henry last year. Uh, I think he only carried the ball thirteen times but he had hundred and forty seven yards and three touchdowns. It was a big issue for the defense. He uh, you know, Henry's getting to second level a lot, the uh, and you know, the linebackers and defensive backs just weren't making weren't able to make those one on one tackles. And I think there's you know, talking to some of the guys yesterday, there's a big emphasis on, on game tackling and getting eleven guys to the ball when Fortnite gets gets his carries. Uh, you know, I think they, they understand that you know a guy like Fournette, who is not quite as big as Henry, but a, a big, powerful runner, a guy that I think broke more tackles than anybody else in college football last year, um, it, it's going to take more than one guy to get him down, usually. you got to get multiple guys to the ball, and it's got to be a team effort to stop him. Um, I think the Badgers front seven is, is going to be really good this year, like it was last year. Um, and I think that gives them a pretty decent shot of, of slowing Fournette down. Um, obviously, Fortnite's going to get some yards. He's going to going to make plays, but I think you, you you just have to do you know the best you can to, to limit what he's going to have. Like I mentioned, getting multiple guys to the ball carrier. Um, so I think they have a chance to 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 at least keep Fournette from exploding because their front seven is is good enough to do that. Um, but you know, if Fournette does get going, you, you know I, I think you got to watch out because you know you got to bring an extra guy in the box uh, to stop him at that point, and then. Like I mentioned, the, the inexperienced secondary um, replacing three starters that Wisconsin has to do that could become a major problem. If they have to put eight or nine guys in the box and, and leave guys in man-to-man coverage, um, I think it could be a real problem. Um, you know, if, if they're not able to slow down four early, I think it could, it could turn into it could turn pretty heavily. Um, but you know, I, I think you know with with Dave Aranda's departure, I think Justin Wilcox has, has done a good job of, of coming in and making a seamless transition. He runs a pretty similar style. Uh, of defense to Dave Aranda, uh, and I think that was kind of part of the reason why he was an appealing hire. You know, he runs a three-four defense. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the stuff they're doing is pretty similar similar to what they were doing last year. Um, so it wasn't a huge transition for for the players. Um, I think you know when you look at the Wisconsin defense last year, I think it, it, regardless of who the defensive coordinator was this year, whether it was Dave Aranda or somebody else, um, I think there was going to be a little bit of it. Always going to be a little bit of a, a, of a drop off. I mean, they were the number one scoring defense in the country last year. They were grinned the top 10 and rushing yards and, and, and passing yards allowed. So I think, you know, losing the three starters in the secondary, I think think there was always going to be a little bit of a drop off because they had, you know, I think maybe the success, success last year was not only a random, but also the personnel that they had, um, you know, uh, th- you know, three three-year starters in the secondary as well as a guy like Joe Sherbert emerging into a star and going on to be an NFL draft pick. So, um, so I think there's going to be a little drop-off on the defense overall, but it's, you know, that that secondary's got to, if the secondary can, can step up and play as well as uh, the Badgers think they can, uh, they can still be a really good unit. Um, but for this game in particular, I think just slowing down Fournette and not letting him get off early is really the key.
0: Badgers have a new quarterback in Bart Houston. Uh, after seeing so much Joel Stave over the past few years, what can we expect out of a new guy in Houston?
3: Well, he's a, he's a pretty talented guy. I went You know, he hasn't He's never started a game for Wisconsin. He's a fifth year senior. But he did play most of the game against Illinois last year, a 24 13 win, uh, because Stavi left in the first quarter with a head injury. Um, and I went back and watched that Illinois game, uh, ball of Houston's throws for that game earlier this week. And, um, you know, he's a guy that has a really strong arm. You know, you never, no one's going to question his arm strength. Um, he, he can stand to be a little bit more consistent as far as accuracy goes. You know, we saw that. Uh, you know, the first week of fall camp this year, um, he was just kind of you know, out there throwing Aaron throw after Aaron throw, and you kind of wondered if he was going to let this starting quarterback job slip away to a retro freshman. Um, but then he really started to clean it up and, and play a little bit more consistent, consistently. But I think that's still maybe something you have to be worried about with him is just um, just kind of not trying to press too much, not trying to force things, and, uh, and making sure that he's just taking what the defense gives him and, uh, and being, you know, consistent in that way. Um, I think another thing to look at um, as far as Houston goes is in that Illinois game, he had a couple throws where you kind of leave yourself shaking your head wondering why he made the throw as far as just being careless. And, you know, he has an opportunity to maybe throw the ball away, but he, but he throws it into coverage. Uh, there's a couple of those. So um, I think if he can clean that up and, and, uh, and become a little bit more consistent – I think he can be a really good player. He's got he's got the arm strength. He's got the, he's got the he's got the talent. Uh, he's a pretty mobile guy too. I think he's he's pretty good of pretty decent at avoiding pressure in the pocket, um, kind of extending plays. So um, I'm I'm curious to see how he does as, as a starter, especially with the schedule they have early on. You know, not only LSU, but they open up Big Ten play with with road games has I mean, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, and they host Ohio State and then go at Iowa. In their first four Big Ten games. So. Um, he can't really afford to get off to a slow start, so it'll be interesting to see if if he's ready to go and he's able to uh, um, kind of be
0: be smart with the ball and play with uh, play with some consistency. Corey Clement uh, was kind of expected to be the next in the long line of uh, of talented, really great Wisconsin running backs last year. Uh, that didn't pan out because of the injuries, but he's back this year. Do you kind of expect? The running game to get back to that standard of excellence that we so come to expect at Wisconsin.
3: Oh yeah, I do. Um, it wasn't just Clement being injured too. It was the fact that uh, you look at the offensive line last year, and it was it was really just a complete mess for most of the season. They uh, had some injuries in fall camp up front as well, and throughout the season, and and they they were they were switching out. I mean, they were rotating in and out guys on the right side of the line for almost the entire season, the, and the group never really got any. Uh, enough continuity or enough time together to, to really gel. Um, and uh, it was a little bit of, you know, a bit of a disaster. I think Clement's injury really um, really made it even worse. Uh, this year, you know, they have, you know, they, they ended last year starting four retro freshmen on the line. And, you know, this year they have, um, you know, all, all four of those guys have a little bit, you know, more experience. Uh, they come in and, you know, they've, they've gone through a whole offseason season knowing that they're going to, um, you know they're going to be, a, you know they're going to start and you know they have um, maybe a little bit more knowledge, gain a little bit more strength with another year in a in a college way program. So I think the line is going to be improved. Um, and then obviously Clement back there is is just a game changer. Um, he's a guy that uh, that you know doesn't need a play to be blocked perfectly to, to, to break a long run. So um, I think you know I think some people are maybe sleeping on Clement a little bit just because he you know he's you know he, he was injured most of last year and then. In 2014, he was, you know, he was overshadowed by Melvin Gordon, of course. Um, but I think he's he's an extremely talented running back and NFL caliber uh, talent. And I think that um, if he can stay healthy this year, he's gonna um, he's gonna maybe surprise some people with with how well he plays.
0: You mentioned that tough schedule. Obviously, LSU just the first game in that tough schedule. Uh, they play arguably the six best teams in the Big Ten uh, to open up Big Ten play. Uh, you mentioned Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Iowa. And then after that, Nebraska and Northwestern. Uh, and and four of those games are on the road. Uh, do you think this schedule is survivable? What are the realistic expectations for Wisconsin given that tough slate?
3: Uh, I guess it depends on how you, you know, define survivable. I think, you know, is, is it survivable as far as just making sure they make a bowl game? Yeah, I think it is. Um is it survivable you know, as far as you know, trying to win the Big Ten West and, and, and go to Indianapolis the, the first week of December? That would be a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, I think, I think that they could – I mean, they could – when you look at the schedule, they have to play the, the three toughest teams out of the East, uh, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. And, you know, I mean, they, they could go out and sweep the West, Western Division and, and still not get to that game in Indianapolis uh, with a 6-3 and three conference record at least to the three teams on the eastern side, so um, it, it, it's, a, it's a brutal schedule. And you know, if, if they lose a lot of those games early, maybe it could snowball, and, and um, you know, a lot of the guys get a little down and think that the season may uh, maybe over, and maybe that maybe making a bowl game does become a little bit of a um, uh, you're kind of in danger of missing out on a bowl game. But I think they're going to be good enough to, to maybe you know win one of those win one of those games and you don't expect them to and uh and take care of business in the game today they are supposed to and and finish with uh something that you know something that looks like a respectable record when you consider the schedule maybe like a 7 and 5 or
0: 8 and 4 type of record all right well we sure are looking forward to Wisconsin and LSU to open the college football season this weekend Jason Galloway from the Wisconsin State Journal thanks so much for joining us Yeah, no problem thanks for having me Big thanks to Jason. We're all looking very much forward to that Wisconsin-LSU showdown. Let's stay in the Big Ten West and talk Northwestern Wildcats. They won 10 games last year, kind of went under the radar. Not sure how that's possible, but it did. Uh, They have perhaps the best running back in the conference in Justin Jackson. They have one of the best defenses in the conference, led by one of the best players in the conference in Anthony Walker at linebacker. I I I think that this could be another very good Northwestern team. Obviously, the schedule is their biggest challenge. Uh, They have road games at Iowa, at Ohio State, at Michigan State. It is not easy, and we saw how last year uh, in those games against Iowa and against Michigan, uh, they had a lot of trouble. And If they're going to play in a similar fashion against the tough teams on their schedule this year, then they will not have a chance to play for a Big Ten title. But if they can get those things corrected, it would seem that they have the talent to do Something in the vein of what they did last year. Obviously, though, they're going to have to win on the road and win big games against big teams. Uh, I talked with Northwestern quarterback Clayton Thorson, who was one of the bigger stories uh, in that division. Can he develop? Last year, the Cats passing game was one of the worst in the country. Um, He was in his first year as a starter, but he won 10 games, and he's had a whole year under his belt now, a whole season of preparing, knowing he's going to be the number one starting quarterback we're going to see if that has an impact. I talked to him at Northwestern's Media Day uh, early in August. Let's take a listen. How's the off season been going for you? It's been going well.
4: Um, you know, I, I think everyone's kind of happy. It's a long offseason all the way from January 1st until August 8th. Um, so we're all happy to get back together and actually play football again. Uh, but it's been good, You know, especially I think for the offensive side, just coming together and really gelling, especially in the passing
0: game, getting that more consistent. Um, but we're happy to be practicing again, not just talking about it. Looking back on last season, what, what did you learn? And I mean, I'm sure there's a long list, but like, what is the overarching thing you learned from last season?
4: Yeah, I mean, I've learned you just got to respond to adversity. You know, we had a lot of adversity last year, um, whether it was two games we lost big um, in the middle of the season, we responded and won five more, or, or it's a play here and there. Um, yeah, I learned a lot how to respond to adversity and just... You know, playing honestly, that whole year playing, um, I've, I've learned so much, and I could talk for you know three hours about that. But, but um, just responding to adversity and just keeping a level head, and, and just you got to keep going throughout the whole season. And just honestly, you know, people think fundamentals kind of go away after camp; you just kind of play, and, and now you got to keep the fundamentals all throughout the seasons. That's another thing I learned.
0: Um, but, but those two things were big. What are the things that you have been working on this off season, leading into your so, your redshirt sophomore year? Mm-hmm and just knowing the offense inside and out more
4: um, and just working on consistency in the passing game, mainly. Um, especially with our receivers, just getting timing with different guys. You know, we got guys like A.C. who's been here for a while and guys who just moved over, like Marcus. So just working on timing with all of them and uh, I think that's
0: really improved this summer. The passing game has obviously been a big topic of conversation with the way the numbers worked out last year and stuff like that. What have you guys done that to kind of take take ownership of fixing that?
4: Yeah, you know, we've gotten to the film room, you know, two or three times a week with the receivers. So we're kinda of talking the same language now and, and going out and throwing, you know, three or four times a week. We're getting timing down with all the guys. So once you get those two things together, when you get on the field and when, you know, everything starts hitting the fan, then uh, you can kinda of refer back to timing. you know, I want it this way and and the guy's like, "Yeah, I got you." And um, I think I think that's really helped us this season. You know, last year with three guys coming into camp,
0: um, we didn't have, we didn't have the luxury of having that. So I think this year with that, it's been a lot better. The coach has mentioned you know the the lack of competition. You know, it's your job. What what do you kind of how has that helped you out this offseason? It's definitely helped me out. You know, last year going in, you know, with my friends Matt
4: and Zach, um, obviously there was competition, and, and you didn't really know, you couldn't get a feel of the offense with either quarterback the whole time. And, and I think now, with just me back there, I think it's, it's helped me a lot, you know, have confidence. You know, the coaches have confidence in me. They're saying, you know, you're our guy, and um, that gives me confidence. And at the same time, it gives me confidence to go out and, and just play, just let it loose, you know, take shots in practice, you know, make mistakes, learn from it. And I think that's helped me a lot. How much easier is your job when you can turn around and hand the ball off to Justin Jackson? <laughs> It's a lot easier Uh, you know this is a few years ago but we played against each other in high school for four years and so seeing him break off 60 yard runs got a little old so you know we joined forces Um, but uh but it's it's awesome you know having a running back like that and
0: and to be able to go back and throw behind him um, should be a a huge advantage for us 10 wins is a lot in a single season but how are you guys looking into this season to, to getting even more
4: yeah, I think, um, you know, it starts with, with our offense and, and just uh, just executing better in the passing game. You know, you see those three losses, you know, we didn't execute in the passing or running game. For a lot of that is because we didn't have any balance on offense. And, and I think um, we got to improve on that, take a little less off Justin's shoulders, and,
0: and I think that will help us out. Thanks a lot, Clayton. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Clayton and everybody at Northwestern for helping me get that one set up. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoyed the inaugural edition of the Big Ten Talk podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at CSNBigTen, C-S-N-B-I-G-T-E-N, and go ahead and go over to csnchicago.com slash big hyphen ten and check everything out over there. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a great first weekend of Big Ten football, and we'll talk to you soon.